think we'll wait to play that in a moment. <laughs> it is such a blessing to be with you and celebrate this first Sunday in Advent. <clears throat> Again, our focus on how does a weary world rejoice may be encouragement for us to understand that, um, that, that joy can pierce into the challenges that we face. How many of us, as we came to worship today, were expecting to meet God in worship? How many of us were expecting God to do something new? Something holy and gracious? How many are expecting answered prayer? Well, sometimes when we enter into worship and do the things that we normally do, we don't always anticipate that God might actually show up. Amen? I mean... Look at Zechariah. He's doing one of those sacred things that only you do a few times in your life into the Holy of Holies, the sacred space. And he's going through the ritual, and all of a sudden, a messenger of God shows up. And what does he do? He's overcome with fear. What was he expecting? What do you and I expect when we come to worship? It's amazing to think that our response to God showing up might be fear or anxiety or stress or what, what's happening. I don't know what was in Zechariah's heart, but for some reason he became speechless. And uh, we might think of it's kind of a punishment, but I think in some ways it allowed him to be aware that God was going to do something new. There was a call. But how could this be? I mean, we can empathize with Zechariah, can't we? I mean, we understand what it means to have a life filled with expectation. In this particular story, we know that uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were without a child and had hoped and I'm sure prayed and agonized. And it, it can be kind of an indicator for many of us the same kind of stress that some of us have experienced personally or those we love not having the child or family they were hoping. We can understand the weariness and the stress, and then in the midst of this, all of a sudden, a messenger of God shows up. And of course, when an angel shows up, what is the thing they always seem to say? Do not be afraid. Why do we not expect God to show up? Well, maybe it's because we come, and sometimes we, you know, we go through our motions, we come into worship, we come to our faith communities, we sit down, we sing the songs, and they mean things to us, and we go through the experience, but what is the sense in which we really expect God to show up? Maybe we've had silent prayers that never quite seem to reach the ceiling, or broken dreams that just fill our pews. We long for a sign, something, a fulfilled promise. But I think God is doing something new in the life of our church. Even in the midst of the challenges we have in a society that is really letting faith become just kind of obscure, unorganized. And it's incredible to think that maybe God is creating a sign, an opportunity. As scary as it may be, just like Zechariah, God is choosing you and me to be a part of the agents of that good news to share. We have a role in preparing the way. Because even in our fear, or our doubt, our weariness, there is opportunity. But a big part of that is our ability to listen. The days of Herod were not easy. 
They were challenging. Yet in the midst of these times, God spoke to and through a faithful couple. Even in our days of postmodernity and the challenges of what the role the church plays in our society, perhaps still there is something God is trying to speak to, to speak into us, to allow us to be agents of grace and mercy and love in a world that seems so weary. Evan begins with this acknowledgement that we are in a weary time. There is grief, there's rage, there's hopelessness. And yet there's an opportunity for joy. Joy is designed to fill the house even with all the other emotions we might experience. Maybe it was the fear that uh, Zechariah would go through the same motions and, and seem to have no new experience or new, something new. Sometimes weariness can hold us and prevent us from, from seeing or fulfilling that living opportunity that God's grace is there. The theme comes from a phrase from O Holy Night, that sacred musical hymn that we sing. And, you know, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world. Long lay the world. Anticipation. When will the Messiah come? How will you restore us? And our psalm read to us today. Restore us is mentioned three times. That's an indication that we should be hearing what the psalmist is feeling. Restore us, O God. Long we lay, and yet till he appears, the soul felt its worth, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. A thrill of hope. It pierces into our weariness. It's the promise of the season. It's the anticipation of Advent. And maybe being silent before God is a way for us to receive that message. What brings us joy? And how is joy different than happiness? Joy is this gift from God, this this living truth, the presence that sustains us, that guides us in the midst of whatever we face and abides with us. That's the message of the Advent season. God is with us. Emmanuel. But we struggle understanding its relationship to sorrow or grief. And sometimes we even resist joy because we find our weariness at least to be something we can understand. But my prayer is that we'll receive this message in this season. Considering how joy can be expressed alongside the other emotions. How might we receive new? Allow joy and grief to dance together. It's much like how darkness and light cannot exist without the other. So how does a weary world rejoice? I'm not really sure. And you're probably going now, well then what are we doing here? I believe God has something for us. And I've been struggling with the coldest week, so maybe I'll be silenced by God in any moment, but know in the midst of all of this, that God has a message to you and to me about this season of hope. I'm concerned that we get weighted down by all the stress and in all the dealings that we have, the weariness. Maybe it's around um, gun or violence or war or illness or mental health, addictions, whatever it is that causes us to grieve, that somehow in the grief there also might be the opportunity for a loving way for joy to pierce in because joy gives us hope. Joy changes us. It changes those around us. It gives us opportunity. 
Joy can abide even with the strongest emotions of either weariness or grief. You know, my dad is 96 years old, and he's been having a rough time of it lately. Maybe some of you were able to meet him and my mother when they were here just a few weeks back. But unfortunately, COVID has made it difficult to get with him and to be with him. They've shut down the facilities in, and I've got a cold, and I can't share that either. I got a call last night at 5 o'clock, just before the service, and my mom sharing that my dad had gone into hospice. And they were working their way to keep him comfortable. Almost all of us know these stories of beloved ones we care about. But some strange way in the midst of that, as I'm listening to my mom and celebrating my dad of 96 years, and I can just recall so easily the moments in which he would squat down 90 feet away or 60 feet away, and I would start throwing the ball to him as he would be catcher for me as I was practicing my pitching. And I was a fastball pitcher. I can prove it because I can't even do a push-up anymore. But the joy somehow found its way. And then I, I start recalling the moments in which Dad would demonstrate love. And he was a minister of the gospel and celebrated 73 years of ministry this year. Somehow in the midst of the weariness, joy finds its way. And I don't know why we struggle with allowing joy to find its way. We don't think it's appropriate. Or should I be feeling joy knowing that things are not the way I wish they were? And why am I so uncomfortable with joy's intrusion into my grief? And who told me that joy was selfish? But joy is a companion, an emotion. Almost always it comes alongside other feelings like excitement or sadness, exhaustion, relief, apprehension. But again, it's that transformative element that God it gives us it changes us, and it changes, and it shifts the perspective of not only us, but the people around us. So this Advent season, if you ever find yourself thinking, this is not the time for joy, then I hope you'll reconsider. I hope you'll see that joy can be the surprise guest for your life. In the midst of whatever everyone is experiencing, that maybe in this season we can find a joy that sustains us, who gives us purpose and reminds us of our sacred worth. We find that weariness comes different ways, some of us because of our age or because of our having to wait or facing the same routine year after year, seemingly watching nothing change. But I believe in something. I believe in a hope that sustains us. Do we have to stay weary? Can we change our weariness to hope? Can this promise sustain and guide us into a new vision and understanding of our lives? Zachariah's question to the Gabriel, the angel, expresses his weariness. How will I know this is to be true for I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years? At least Zachariah's a smart husband. He didn't say she's old, right? Getting along in years. But the weariness is that they're still without a child. And some of us know well too profoundly the pain and the agony that comes with that. So how is it Zechariah comes to understand 
that God was doing something new. This was fulfilling the very prayer he had. This is the joy that was being offered. This is the good news that was being offered because it's, it's more of a story than just the reality that Zechariah and Elizabeth had no child. And soon would receive John, who we call John the Baptist, who would proclaim, prepare the way of the Lord. He would speak into the needs of the community, and they would repent of their sin and turn towards God. This is a, is a miraculous event because we know that even in the weight of what he's feeling is the reality that his people, his country, God's people were under oppression of the Roman Empire. And God was saying through him that I've come now to make a difference, to a change. And his response is fear or how could it be or doubt or question. But we understand that. We're looking to God for change or transformation and yet we agonize over how will this be? How could it be? So maybe the gift is silence for Zechariah. Maybe we need to listen How might we be able to hear God speak into our lives this promise of hope? There's a poem written in 1922. It's called Mother to Son. It depicts the weariness and heaviness of living life as a black person who faced the many obstacles and dangers that accompany racism in American history, society. It talks about what offers hope during the weariness is the encouragement to not turn back, to not sit down on the steps, and to keep climbing. In anticipation, there's a promise of presence that in the weariness, even in the waiting, there's opportunity for us to move toward God's grace. It seems to be the encouragement that we can find from this story. While silent, don't turn back. Look forward, see the opportunity, because that hope is that light we're seeing in the future. The power and the blessing of the Christian faith, as we're reminded, is that there's this transformative work. We started to see a little video, and we're going to take a listen to it. Some of you will be able to see it. Um, technology, right? Uh, but Neil had an opportunity to, to go visit Jan Pritzel and his wife Karen and and just ask them about the season of hope and what this meant for them. And so let's, if you want to look from the front, you can see most of us will do our best to listen. The biggest challenge is the lack of variety in the food I have to eat. It's all in a package and a syringe. And have different pipes in my body so I can cover things, but, uh, and it's Karen's protection, I think, that keeps me from doing that. I appreciate seeing people, but many times I'd rather uh, rather hide when the church does streaming services. Pretty good, except that sometimes we don't hear the, the lyrics of songs that are covered with music. Oh, yes, when sun comes up, or when our cat comes and decides to play around with uh, me. And of course, when 
Leo visits because I see how hard he works at church. I find joy in seeing sun in the morning, sunset, and in uh, playing with our cat. He sometimes decides to come up over the top of the bed and, and walk down my side, get off to go eat. I would hope people would start listening to one another instead of trying to fight territory. I really am thankful for Karen. She saved so many things and is willing to do so much. And how can I not love her more every day? It's amazing to hear him speak of his love for his wife, finding the joy in the little things, the opportunities. And we know how those who have known the history of Jan and Karen and their connection to the church and his compassion and care and service and constant giving to the needs of others. The joy, the happiness that comes even in weariness. No, it's a uh, theologian... Um, Moman talks about anxiety is the anticipation of terror and hope is the anticipation of joy. And he tells us that the Christian faith is unique in its ability to give us a message that the central message is joy, that Jesus came that our joy might be complete. It's unique to us. It's a special gift to us. And may we claim that in newness in this season of Advent. May we anticipate, may when we come to worship, our first thought might be, Holy God, I am yours today. How might you speak into my life? How might I understand you more profoundly? How might I know a faith that makes an impact on how I live and how I experience life? The challenges in this world continue to kind of make us weary, and sometimes we wonder as a church, what is our future? But the promise and the message is this, that God has promised to use you and I to make a difference, and we're starting to see light and joy in special ways in the life of this church, and we just celebrate that. And so I want to encourage you to consider how might you be open to the joy piercing into your day, into your life, into your call of being agents of good news to the people in need this day. We're going to prepare now a time for communion. And you might be joyful to know that I'm not going to get near the elements the way I'm feeling right now. Uh, but we're going to experience them and celebrate this communion. Ours is an open communion available to all who seek to entrust their life to Christ. Jesus gives the opportunity. That's the joy of the season, that we remember what Jesus has done. That the last word is never hatred or death. The cross reminds us that resurrected hope and the promise of love and grace will find its way to win. May the truth of that guide us to this table of celebration. May we now prepare ourselves for this time of Holy Communion.